For the last four years, you came to this podcast to get your needs met, to be fulfilled, to get a pro wrestling, pop culture, and that oh so naughty feeling tingled inside with a little bit of grass sprinkled on top. Now it's time for your hosts, Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. You are tuned in to the IndyCast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndyCast. Chad Allen and um, the room's empty. It's actually just me today. Uh, it's a Barbara Walters special today as I have a guest on the uh, on the show with us to, uh, tonight uh, from Chikara. For those of you that have been listening to uh, our show for uh, all four, heading into five years, actually, uh, we're, we hit our fifth season in May here. Uh, get ready for special stuff coming up for that. Uh, but one of the first things we always said was all roads lead to Chikara, and nothing is different on that instance here. Uh, as we have that old juke joint himself, Lucas Calhoun, joining us on the show today. Lucas, welcome to the IndyCast. Hey, Chad, baby. How you doing, daddy? <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, Lucas, just to let you know, we start every episode the same way with uh, usually five kind of quick questions we like to call the lightning round. Um, right. It's the way we get rid of those kind of basic uh uh, podcast questions to get them just out of the way. We it's basically our vegetables before dinner. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get to those right now. You can answer them as quickly, as short as you want, and we will go from there. So uh, question one, who trained you and when did you debut? Um, so I'm, I'm not a Russell Factor graduate, like a lot of the guys in Chicago. Um, believe it or not, I, uh, I was I was trained years and years and years ago uh, by a now defunct group uh, in Virginia, the Global Wrestling Alliance. Um, and to, to put it like this, uh, the Wrestling Alliance their their big claim to fame was that uh, the, the one of the women who who trained me. Um, I don't know if you recall. Um, many years ago on Raw, they had a uh, they had a wrestling match with a uh, Donald Trump impersonator, uh, who I believe was Ace Steel, um, and he wrestled a Rosie O'Donnell impersonator. I, um, I, I sadly do remember this match. <laughs> well, if you remember that match, uh, then you saw one of the women who, uh, who trained me, uh, Kylie McLean. Um, and uh, that was kind of that whole crew's big claim to fame. Um, and I actually, I actually debuted. I made, my, I made my, my pro debut. Believe it or not, um, in two thousand and two. Okay. And do you remember um, what? Do you remember what your first? Uh, who like your first opponent was? Yeah, and it's, it was. It was a guy. It was a guy. Um, man, <laughs> you know, kind of a kind of a guy that I don't think anybody's ever heard of. A uh, boy's name was Spock Holly. Spock, Spock Holly, like, like, Spock, Spock Holly. Tell me, this was a Star Wars gimmick or a Star Trek gimmick? Because that would make my day if it was. It, and unfortunately, unfortunately, no, no such joy to be Darn. had there. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a, he was a man. What was was he? He was kind of like a uh, a Hollywood superstar type. Okay. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, what was your, so what, uh, question number two, what is your first wrestling memory? Um, my first wrestling memory, I, I, I think it gets jumbled up in my head. It's one of two things. Um, it's either my dad taking me to a show at the, uh, at the Norfolk scope. Um, I think it was, I think it was a WCW show. Um, and it had to be, you know, man, it had to be in like the, the, the mid to late 80s, I think, by that point. Um, and I, gosh, I can't, re- I cannot recall, you know, for the life of me, I've got, I, I, I have the worst memory, I think, uh, of anybody you, you probably ever talked to. Um, and I can't for the life of me remember anything about the card. Um, but I, I gosh. Yeah, no, it, I think it's it's either it's it's that and it's jumbled up with uh, it's jumbled up with with watching pay per views, uh, old WWF pay per views uh, at my folks' house um, when the pay per view started kind of screwing up and I couldn't get the visual 
but I was listening to the sound anyway because I was so infatuated and had to hear uh, had to hear them calling a, a demolition tag team match. Nice. Yeah. No, it's 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 some. Yeah, my, my memory is, is is truly 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 awful. That was kind of the earliest the earliest things that I can remember about pro wrestling. Okay. okay. Uh, question number three. This one's going to probably hit a little close to home. What is El- what is Elvis's best song ever? Oh, it's Viva Las Vegas. No, okay. Uh, all day, all day, every day. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 hard to. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of close uh, there's a lot of close second places in there. You know, all of all of his kind of uh, standard go tos, uh, Jailhouse Rock, Blue Blue Suede Shoes, all of those are really solid songs. But I think nothing jumps out and hits me hard. Uh, like Viva Las Vegas does. So definitely more of an older Elvis then. So kind of the gold ja- gold lame jacket type of type of yeah, Elvis yeah, fan. No, fifty thousand Elvis fans can't be wrong and all that. Because <laughs> I was always a uh, suspicious minds has always been my favorite. But that's uh, oh, that's also, that, that, yeah, that's all, that's also a good one too. <laughs> a little bit, a little slowing it down a little bit, huh? Uh, Sticking with uh, the kind of the Vegas theme, then thank you for helping me segue, and you didn't even know you were doing <laughs> it. Uh, when you're in Vegas, what's your go-to casino? Um, hmm. you know, I, uh, I don't have really a, a go-to, um, the places that I've, the places that I've stayed in Vegas, uh, that I like a lot, you know, we enjoy, we were just at, um, out there at Viva Las Vegas, uh, the Rockabilly Weekender, and we stayed at the Gold Coast, um, and split our time kind of between there and, uh, and Orleans, um, and both of those are, are kind of off the strip a little bit, so I kind of dug that because they weren't quite as crazy, um, they weren't quite as, as jam-packed, um, but I was always, I, you know, I always liked when I went and hung out at, uh, you know, just outside of Treasure Island. Yeah. And, uh, I, I used to watch the old, used to watch the old pirate show they had in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, uh, I'm... I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to Vegas. As long as there's a, a strong theme and there's not too many people there. Um, however, I've uh, I've been told, uh, I've been warned that I have to stay away from casinos for a little while now. Um, because one of the last times that I was in Vegas, I uh, <laughs> I, uh, I put a thousand dollars on black uh, and playing roulette, uh, and it hit red, and. Uh, Miss, Mrs. Calhoun uh, was none too pleased with me, um, so I've got to stay. I've got to stay away from gambling for a little bit. I think. Did, now, are you are you are you planning on suing uh, Wesley Snipes for telling you to always bet on black? No, nope, you know that was that was my, that was my own mistake. Uh, that was my own mistake. I I, I I specifically when we went out there uh, for our wedding, I specifically put that money aside uh, because. Number one, it's a cool story, right? It's 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 fun to be able to say, "Hey, I just lost a thousand dollars in one roll." Um, but number two, it it was it was less about winning or losing that money, um, but it, it was more about that that ten seconds when the ball is rolling around. Uh, it was just absolute sheer terror, um, and that's that's more the experience that I was going to get for it. I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Just watching, waiting for that thing to to stop was got to right. be waiting for, waiting for the ball to stop and waiting for my wife to hit me in the back of the head. Yeah, that was <laughs> why. Yeah, why why drink when you've got that going for you? You're on a high for the rest of the day after that. So, right. 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 Uh, exactly. You mentioned something else here. I'm going to circle back around to after I get done with this last question here. Um, and this one's become a very interesting topic on this show lately. Uh, and I wish I could remember who brought it up the first time, but when you're eating cereal, mm. do you put the cereal in the bowl first and then milk, or do you put the milk in first and then pour in the cereal? I I don't want to meet the monster that puts the milk in first and then the cereal. Thank you. Like, okay. That's just, that is a, that is a travesty. Like that's the kind of person that I think has got to be like raised in the woods and has never seen cereal before in their life. And they don't understand how it works. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's cereal in first and then milk, man, all, all the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is, the, which is the correct answer, but there are definitely, like you said, there are some monsters out there that for some reason put the milk in first. And yeah, I think that's communism at the highest level. Um, right. so, I mean, so, some people, some people do, they just want to, they just want to turn off society's norms right on right. their ears. Just for fun. As they said in Batman, some people just want to watch the world burn. And apparently that's how they're <laughs> planning on doing it. 
Um, tell me a little bit about, and this is not wrestling related in any way, shape, or form, but I'm interested. Tell me about the, the you were at a rockabilly, a, a, like a rockabilly weekend. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh man, it was, uh, dude, it was awesome. I, I, we had such a great time. So we flew out to Vegas. Um, it was last Thursday we flew out and, um, the, the festival is, is Viva Las Vegas, um, rockabilly weekend. And this one, it's been going on for, for 21 years now. This is the Viva Las Vegas 21 was this year. Um, and man, it was just, I mean, just jam packed the whole weekend. It was anytime you wanted to, there was a band playing that you could go see. Um, Saturday was a, a giant car show. Um, and so I went out and kind of wandered around and, and, and I, I interviewed a couple guys about the cars that they had and just saw a whole bunch of really, really, really cool rides. Um, I mean, the whole weekend, everybody is done up all the way to the nines. Um, you don't leave your hotel room without your hair looking right, without your clothes looking right. Um, it, it's just, it's just absolutely fantastic weekend. Um, Saturday, um, during the car show, they had, uh, they had guys, they had Jerry Lee Lewis play, um, you know, old rockabilly legend. And, uh, believe it or not, like this one may or may not hit people as hard as it hit, you know, hit me, but they had, um, the stray cats, uh, headline the the car show, um, and you know those guys haven't played together as a group in I think thirteen years up until you know up until uh, Viva Las Vegas, um, and, and at, at a certain point like watching the, at a certain point watching their set I just kind of like I kind of stopped and, and looked around to take everything in you know I'm, I'm you're surrounded by people I mean like it, it was it was packed packed full of, full of full of people and it's it's outside in the evening and it's, it's just nice and cool and they're playing in this kind of parking lot space uh in front of the orleans arena and i just like you know the car show is, is the backdrop to everything and I, I just looked around and was just totally amazed that 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 anything like this could could even exist um it was it was just a, it was just an absolutely fantastic weekend man I saw some really 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 great bands that uh you know, I, I wasn't familiar with um, prior to going there. Um, Sunday, they do a um, they do a big uh, a big pool party at the Orleans. Um, so everybody's out there in like vintage '50s swimwear. Um, man, you know, band bands are playing. Like they had a couple like surf bands playing uh, during the pool party. It was just a, it was just an absolutely absolutely killer time. Okay. Um, so I've got I have a bunch of follow up questions on this one then Jerry 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 Lee Lewis got to be in his what upper eighties almost early nineties now right yeah oh yeah yeah so did he did he still like is he still kicking over the you know the the piano bench and and doing all that or is that is it a little past his time for that well it's 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 a little it's a little past his time um, he's not quite as. Uh, as ruckus as it used to be, um, you know, but I mean, he, he's still got chops, man. Like he's still up there. He's still up there putting on a great show, going hard. Like you wouldn't believe it. Um, there's still a lot of energy and, and all of his songs carry that kind of same, um, that same power that, that, that he used to have, even without his like onstage antics. Um, it was, it was great. Just, you know, just hearing like, like, how like kind of how in, in good health you know for a guy his age he he, he was um it's it, it was just it was really awesome to see uh straight straight cat so with with brian setzer obviously yes. so, so it played played all the hits i'm assuming do you do you have a preference between the straight cats or brian setzer orchestra though not officially rockabilly i guess that would be more i don't know what you would <laughs> what you would consider that but that's like you know, it's 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 hard to, it's hard to overlook for me like the weight that the Stray Cats carry in like just the rockabilly scene in general. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of one of the first real like mainstream bands in America to even have that 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 rockabilly sound, and I, I think that just carries a lot of weight for me. Um, so I, you know, I go Stray Cats uh, over over Brian Setzer Orchestra um, pretty pretty easily. Uh, just you know, I don't think that I don't think that the Brian Setzer's orchestra that kind of had, uh, I don't think they, they quite had the, the impact 
Cats had, you know? No. no. And, and don't get me wrong, I agree, though. I have, I never have gotten to see the Stray Cats in concert, sadly, but I uh, definitely got to see Brian Setzer Orchestra based off of my knowledge of the Stray Cats. Um, right. And he puts, on, he puts on a great show. And no matter what he's, his setup is, he puts on an amazing show. Um, and then last question on this here, and then we might actually ask some wrestling questions. Um, for... I'll, talk, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about music all night, man. I really will. <laughs> That's okay. I've, we've done it before. Don't feel bad if we do. <laughs> um, what's one band that you saw there that you hadn't seen before that you would recommend uh, recommending some of our audience to go look up? Oh, man. This one right here. Um, well, there's, there's two. I, got, well, I didn't get to see one of them. But, um, so, so the one that I got to see um, that I, I was not familiar with prior to uh, Viva Las Vegas was uh, a band called Shanda and the Howlers, um, and I actually I actually recorded a, a, an interview with them um, that I'm actually need to edit and probably release here soon. But um, one of the things that really grabbed me about this band, and if you, if you go listen to them, like um, obviously on a, on a, a rockabilly theme best right you get a lot of traditional sound and rockabilly bands right and um not in a negative way necessarily but a lot of traditional rockabilly bands have a, have a very similar sound they don't they don't really deviate too terribly much off of you know that that kind of standard rockabilly sound um but shanda and the howlers they have this really 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 crazy way of kind of infusing a lot of like 60s soul and blues um and just like it's all carried kind of on the back of of shanda's just amazing singing ability like she like we were watching you know we we were watching her their set and um they played a song off of off of an album i think they, they just released um and Shanda's voice like hit Mrs. Calhoun so hard that she literally just like had to, she just stopped moving and was like staring at her while, you know, while she's singing. Um, it's just, it was, it was just an amazing set. Like their, their sound is so crazy. Um, and, and, and the whole band is just super, super, super talented. Um, but really like it, it, if you hear it, man, it's, it's driven home by, by Shanda's vocals. Um, so yeah, I, I was, if, if you guys are looking for something, man, go, go check out Shannon and the Howlers. Those guys are absolutely phenomenal and they've got a sound just unlike anybody I've, 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 I've heard in years. I'll be interested. I'll oh. to, I will look them up on Spotify a little later then see if I can pull some of them up. The name, I know I've heard the name before. I feel like they've been on a soundtrack to a movie I've seen or something like that, but I, I don't know why it's not connecting with me. So. Uh, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll hit me as soon as we end the the podcast, and and then I'll go. Oh, that's what it was, because uh, that's usually how it works. So, um, okay. Well, let me try to awkwardly segue into actual wrestling stuff now. Obviously, uh, when you came into Chikara, which is where obviously a, a lot of people know you from here, you did right. not start out as Lucas Calhoun. Um, you started out under a, a mask, under another kind of a famous Chikara character. Tell us a little bit about your time as Vulgar. Well, um, you know, I, at, at the time that, uh, at, the, at the time that, that I was, I was kind of in, in Chikara, I was, I was working, uh, I was working for the flood. It's kind of a, it's kind of a rough time, uh, for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I've been, I've been pulled out of my bouncing gig, uh, by Jimmy Jacobs, um, and recruited as, as kind of a, kind of a, kind of a hitman uh, for the flood. Uh, and, and I just, you know, I, I, my assignments were, were just kind of largely just being real physical and uh, being real crazy violent with people. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of an unfortunate period of time for me. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's, it's much better and brighter. Uh, I suppose now, even with my most recent revelations, that uh, frankly, all of that was just implanted memories, and uh, none of it actually happened. So, do you, do you regret that time frame under the, under the mask? Is that any? Is there anything that you actually? Let me let me flip that question around a little bit. Um, was there anything that you took out of it that maybe was a positive? Looking looking back at it. 
sense, yes. I um, I mean, during that during that period of time, I was uh, I was kind of under the command of uh, of Jimmy Jacobs and uh, of, of Eddie Kingston. Uh, obviously, once he got kind of brought into the fold as well, um, and evil though that time was. Um, there's a great deal to take away from the two of them, right? Uh, just listening to how they kind of like strategize and, and, and plan and talk about bringing people down. Like, like these are men that, that, that are just incredibly smart uh, about not only the physical aspect of pro wrestling, but like the mental aspect of pro wrestling and getting – getting into their opponent's heads and really undermining anybody else's game plan. Um, so, so there was an awful lot to just absorb, uh, right then. Um, that's, that's probably the only, I feel like probably the only positive of that, of that dark time, you know, for me. Okay. Yeah. And definitely, you know, and like you said, it's definitely a dark time, but when you're working with minds like Eddie Kingston and like Jimmy Jacobs, it's it's hard not to learn something from it, even in even in that situation. Right. Um, right. Um, now, t- you know, obviously, kind of tell us a little bit about taking the mask off and becoming what. What I'm assuming, obviously, especially since you just spent a weekend at a rockabilly, you know, at a rockabilly <laughs> weekend, is probably a little more you. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know, kind of getting the opportunity to. Uh, you know, show off more of yourself now that now that you're out of that dark time. Well, I mean, first of all, we should we should probably explain, I guess, um, the, the concept of of you uh, as it relates to to me um, is 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 a little bit of a, a little bit of a mire right now, right? Okay. Um. So when when Kevin Condren talked me into uh, removing the mask, he did so by, by reminding me of, of memories that I had of, of, of working in a bar um, and, and being a big fan of doing Elvis karaoke, obviously, and just how big of a fan of, of the King I was um, and, and how I had more to show off than, you know, being under a mask and in that, that silver suit. Um, and I embraced it like, Gratefully, you know, it, 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 once I was kind of like broken into that spell a little bit, you know, I, it, it, it felt good to, to, to release and kind of, kind of be who I was. Now, obviously recently, uh, we find out that, that who I thought I was, uh, again, was, was, was all implanted memories because, here I am. The revelation that uh, the revelation that I'm 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 a clone. You know, I I, I was created in a lab by uh, Tidor as kind of the next in a line of in a line of Olgars. Uh, and and so it took a little bit of you know it took a little bit of, of searching I think to to really cement the fact that. Uh, I am, you know, I am who I am and I am who I'm, I'm portraying, right? Like I am, obviously I like this music. Obviously I like this lifestyle. Obviously I like old cars. Um, so that was, you know, that, that was, it, it, you know, like I said, it gets to be a little bit of a minefield there, kind of figuring out who I am, you know, in, in reality. Um, but I tell you, kind of back on point, like it's, it's been great to be able to kind of step out from that, you know, that, 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 that vulgar, um, uh, I'll refer to it as a situation, I suppose. Um, you know, that vulgar situation and, and be able to kind of show out a little bit more and, and, and have a little bit more, more, more color and showmanship in my performances. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely, it's definitely been a big, uh, a big boost for me. I feel. Do you ever, do you ever worry that 
because now you know what you know with you know with the the you know knowing that you are i mean it's i i understand that you're a clone i mean you're still your own you're still your own man i i think that goes without saying but knowing that you know your creation was the way it was do you ever get worried about like a relapse you know maybe going back to to what you were originally created for is that a is that a thing well that that concern is 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 certainly always in in the back of my mind right like you have to know that like the things that that I've done um as vulgar um I don't I don't get away from that right I don't I don't forget for a second the things that I did in that mask and in that suit. Um, however, I've also got to remember that, that I've got a path in front of me now and I've got lie on that. I have to really um, believe in that you know, to, to kind of to kind of carry me forward. If I have a second of, of self doubt, like, man, I'm, you know, I might, uh, I might slip back into old habits or, or, or maybe it might be possible for, for, for me to fall back in, you know, with that, with that group. And, um, you know, that I've, I've, I've already kind of stumbled and lost my way at that point. So I have to put those thoughts out of my mind and just, just believe in the path that I'm on. Right. Well, let's talk a little about the path that you're on right now uh, is leading to a very big event in uh, for Chikara coming up at the time of our recording uh, this coming Saturday, I do believe. Um, tell everybody a little bit about the, the show that Chikara has coming up and explain kind of how, how it works, because this is definitely an, an interesting an interesting I, spectacle, I think I would call it. It's, I think it's even beyond it being just a match. I think I think spectacle, spectacle is pretty much the right way to put it. I think um, you're right. No, so so Saturday is uh, is the Infinite Gauntlet, it's the annual uh, Infinite Gauntlet match, and uh, it works in a very similar way to uh, kind of a Royal Rumble style match, right? So you've got 33 uh, competitors in the match, and every 88 seconds, uh, another one will enter. And the way that it differs from uh, the, the standard kind of Royal Rumble or Battle Royal type match is um, you can be eliminated not only by being thrown over the top rope, uh, but also by getting pinned or being submitted. Um, and that, that, that makes for a lot of, uh, you know, makes for a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of interesting situations. Like you see some real strange bedfellows pairing up in order to, you know, dogpile somebody to pin them and, or, uh, you know, kind of holding people back to save folks from eliminations, um, you know, if partners or, or allies are in the ring together. Um, it, it, it makes for a really interesting, it makes for a really interesting time in the ring because you, you, you know that you're not just looking out for somebody to like, you know, hook you over the top rope, but, you know, suddenly you've got to look out for actually getting hit with, you know, getting hit with something out of, out of nowhere and getting pinned or, or, or you know, somebody lock, locking something on and, and you having to submit because you're in the middle of the ring and you can't get to anywhere, you know. Um, it, 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 definitely is, it definitely is a tough match. Um, that, that is the truth. And how many, of these, how many of these have you been in so far? So this will be, uh, be my, my third one. Okay. Uh, and uh, I have not done so well. Uh, in, in the pre in the previous Infinite Gauntlets, um, and uh, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned with winning this one. Um, not not this year. Um, so, Professor Nicodemus, uh, the the man who created myself and who created Jeremy Leary. Um, the next iteration of, in the Volgar line, um, he's entered his, his, his crew of three new uh, science monsters in the Infinite Gauntlet um, in an attempt to prove the superiority of his science and 
win the win the golden opportunity, the chance to you know challenge for any any title they like. Um, in in my mission right now, the path that I'm on, the destiny that I have, is tied up in making sure that that doesn't happen. Um, so so victory is second in my mind. Um, making sure that those guys don't win is first. Okay. Now, my my big concern would be in that instance is there are three of Nicodemus's uh, Proteus Wheel group, and only one of you. Do you have any plans of backup or anything like that to be able to assist you with that? Because that's a lot to deal with. And on top of that, uh, I do know that Professor Nicodemus just recently, I do believe, I think I saw this video on Twitter, um, has, I guess, done something to... The I guess the artist formerly known as Troll, I believe he called him Trollzilla at the end of it. Um, yeah. And so now he's kind of got that, and then obviously that's a relationship with Whisper as well. So what what are your thoughts on, like, you know, not, not that I don't think your skills could handle it, but that's, that's a lot of, you know, the numbers game starts to add up after a while, no matter how good you are. Man, that's... That that poor troll, man, he has been through so much in the past few years. Um, subjugation at the hands of the flood. Um, you know, he's hanging out he was hanging out with, with, with Kevin Condon for a bit and then got lost when 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 you know Snowflake appeared and you know, disappeared. Um, and now kind of the same deal, like subjugation almost at the hands of the Whisper, right? And now now experimented on and turned into this Trollzilla, um, which I, like, it remains to be seen, I guess, what, what Nicodemus did with him. But, man, it's a, it's a shame uh, either way. Um, but to your point, yes, you are correct. I'm, uh, I'm definitely outgunned. Uh, I'm certainly outweighed. Uh, but I do have Jeremy Leary backing me up, and the two of us are in the Infinite Gauntlet. Uh, obviously, we don't know quite yet where we're going to be entering. If we're going to be drawing numbers that are close to each other, if we're going to be on opposite ends of the opposite ends of the order. Um, but the hope is with somebody else there watching my back. Uh. The numbers game might take a little bit, might take a little bit less of a toll. Okay. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I've got to, I've got to put uh, all of my belief in this, in this, this plan that that, that I've got to, you know, that, that that I'm here. My purpose here is to stop those boys. Um, and and by hook or by crook, I, I guess I'm going to do it. Well, we obviously well, we we wish you luck in that in that setup, and hopefully, like. You can, you know, maybe kill multiple birds with one stone. It's more than just two birds here that you can hopefully, you know, keep the Proteus wheel at, at bay and then still be able to, to turn around and win this for yourself as well. Because obviously um, there's a pretty big prize at the end of this, at, you know, at the end of that, at the end of that gauntlet. Correct. Right. The gold, the golden opportunity, um, the ability to challenge, the opportunity to challenge for, for any title, you know, the, uh, uh, the Campeonato de Parejas, or the Grand Championship, I guess in my case, because I'm a little too, uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure that I qualify for the Young Lions Cup anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, either one of those, you know, coming up at the end, and that's that's huge, you know, like, just being able to kind of, you know, in effect, skip the line. Um, now, I feel like it, it, you, probably have to, you probably have to strategize and wait a little bit if I do win, um, because I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be terribly easy to uh, dethrone old Juan Francisco, um, and those closer cats, baby, those guys are all business, uh, and I'm not I'm not super sure uh, that I'd want to tangle with them currently in their stand in in my current state either. Uh, um, you know, and it's very interesting. You mentioned Juan Juan Francisco de Coronado, who's obviously been now, I believe, over a year as. Uh, Chikara Grand Champion. Would right. you do you think if you were to win this, that would be the way you would go? Would be would be heading uh, dead on to to uh, Juan Francisco? Man, uh, that's a tough call. You know, me and Juan, we locked up only once uh, so far, and, and and he beat me pretty square. 
Um, you know, I, I he got me in that that Coronado clutch, and boy, that that, that hurt. Um, so I'm not super sure, man. Like it, it, it feels like it feels like it would be. Um, it feels like it would be a high honor, you know, to beat Chikara Grand Champion for certain. Um, so I'm not, I'm not super sure if maybe it's a maybe if it's a smarter play for for me and old Jeremy Leary to to, to try to go after those uh, those Campionados. You know, um, and, and that's one thing I've always loved about Chikara because, like you said, you you know, obviously you you've got you know Jeremy Leary to to, to team with there, but. It's always I've always found it very interesting at Chikara that for the longest time all they had was the tag belt. So I almost feel like some days that holding those Campeonatos de Parejas is sometimes the the bigger you know kind of notch on your on your white sequined belt, as it were. So, <laughs> well, I guess I guess you, I guess you gotta have to weigh um, weigh on one hand, you know, the the the, the lineage, I guess, the, the the length of time that. Uh, those tag belts have been in existence, right? Like they've been, you know, they've been around for for a great deal of Chikara's history. Um, and you have to kind of kind of balance that, I suppose, with the names of the folks that have, that have had the Grand Championship. You know, sure. I mean, think about it. Like Eddie Kingston, uh, Hallow Wicked, Kimberly, um, you know, now Juan. Like like these guys are like like these are guys are pretty much the, the best of the best uh, in Chikara. You know, and, and, and getting able to, you know, being able to put your name uh, on that list uh, alongside those folks. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's nothing to sneeze at uh, by itself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough call, man. I, you know, looking at it, looking at it on the face. Um, it's, it's hard to say which way I would go. So, well, taking that out of the, uh, taking the uh, infinite gauntlet out of the equation, um, kind of, what are your plans for Chikara? Uh, you know, from after this point, I mean, is it it's pretty much straight on to uh, dealing with the Proteus wheel, or do you do you have anything else kind of in sight that you uh, that you'd like to make your uh, short and or long term goals? Um, no, I, I think I think right now, right now, it's it's you know, my attention is pretty much entirely focused on the on the Proteus wheel. Um, New director of fun Bryce Remsburg has, uh, I guess, made the call that the Proteus wheel haven't done anything necessarily wrong on the surface just yet. Um, I mean, he doesn't understand Nicodemus the way that I do, so I, I guess I can understand his 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 point of view there. But um, we've got to work to we've got to work to stop them boys because because they're evil manifested man. Like those guys are absolutely here just just direct the place and and people are going to see that sooner rather than later i feel um so so for right now man like it's it's all about just kind of marshalling me and leary to 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 stop those stop those guys and 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 put the beat down on those on those science monsters as hard as we can do you do you think the produce wheel is a bigger threat than the flood was terms of they're they're different threats okay um in in terms of pure um kind of direct offense the flood was a bigger threat you know the flood had marshaled together all of Chikara's kind of biggest enemies you know you had uh the BDK and 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 Sydney Macabella's Devastation Corporation and and all these guys kind of teamed together um, to just form this just massive fist uh, that was ready to punch Jakar right in the face. Um, the Proteus Wheel, um, headed up by by Nicodemus, man, these guys are, are they're more of a knife in the dark. Okay. Uh, they're they're coming in under the you know they're coming in under the guise of not necessarily not necessarily being directly evil but man like they're there you know and you saw like like they're 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 there twisting guys up like you know what whatever Nicodemus did to the troll this is not going to end well for anybody you know and putting that offer out there to be a be a power broker um, 
for members of the Chikara roster. That's that's really just that's just going to be bending guys to his will if anybody takes him up on that deal. Um, so so they're kind of a more taking a, a, a different approach that's that's slightly more insidious, I think. Right. Uh, than than the flood was no very um, true. well uh lucas we are at the point here where we have a few questions we tend to end every episode with here uh the first one is one we lovingly refer to as the trevin adams memorial question even though trevin is not actually dead um so uh the first question here on this one uh you've obviously been uh doing this for quite a while as you said earlier you've uh as uh, as Uncle Bob Evans likes to say, you've done the drives. Uh, sometimes while you're driving, it's late at night, let's say 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you suddenly get those rumblies in your tumbly a little bit there. Uh, as you come over a hill, you see a shining beacon in front of you uh, of joy and wondrousness. Is that shining beacon a sheet, or is it a Wawa? Ooh. <laughs> you're trying to give me some enemies with this one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a sheets. Yes, uh, it's 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 it's, def- it's definitely a sheets. Like I will I will, I will go to a Wawa. Um, I will go to a Wawa heavily uh, around Thanksgiving time uh, when they have the turkey bowl back. Um, but if I'm looking for somewhere, if I'm looking for somewhere to stop on my way to or from uh, the next venue. I'm looking for sheets. There we go. See, and I, I'm glad that I was the host for this episode today because, in my opinion, that is the one and only correct answer. Um, uh, so, uh, first question of our of our infamous final two questions. This one starts a little dark, so I apologize in advance. Uh, all right, I'm ready for it. In the uh, in this uh, wonderful performance art that, that uh, we call professional wrestling that we all love, sadly, we do lose a lot of talent early. Um, so with, with that being said, if there was anybody, uh, who is no longer with us in the wrestling industry that you could have worked with, sat down and talked with, learned from, uh, who would that person be and why? So, uh, I've got two answers to this question. Um, and I, I've got two because the, the first one, uh, I don't think anybody's going to really know. Um, Back in my younger days, uh, there used to be a guy, and it's actually really fitting that, that we're doing this interview in May. Um, there was a guy that I knew that I wrestled with. Uh, his real name was George. His stage name was Jive Nice. Um, and one morning in uh, in May, he was on his way to his third job. I believe it was probably, I think they said it was about 3 o'clock in the morning or so. Um, and he fell asleep at the wheel, uh, drove his car off uh, the side of the road, flipped it over, uh, landed upside down in water, and uh, unfortunately passed away. Um, Jive Nice, uh, he was only wrestling for, for a couple of years at the time, and this is probably 10 years ago now that he's passed. Um, and if there was anybody that I could, I could wrestle right now, um, it would be the... Ten years more experienced, Jive Nice, hmm. um, because that boy was so full of talent and promise. Um, if he hadn't been a, a national superstar, uh, I, I would eat my own foot. Huh. Um, so, you know, I would love to see what, what what he became. He was he was a good friend of mine. Um, I'd love to see what he became, and I, I would love to have uh, you know some 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 more matches with him once he got some some experience and some uh, some chances to kind of like you know stretch his wings out um, under his belt. Like I think that would have been that would have been fantastic. Um, I've actually got a really good story about Job Nice and all of us fighting the entire town of Saratoga, North Carolina. Um, but the answer to uh, the other answer to that question. Uh, it's probably a little bit more, a little bit more obvious. Um, I never met the man, uh, but uh, I've seen his work uh, a great deal. Obviously, he's uh, um, he's big. Uh, he he was he was a big factor in a lot of folks uh, that I currently work with. Life, uh, Larry Sweeney. Larry Sweeney. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would love, uh, I would love an opportunity to. 
kind of even sit and talk with them, you know, and, and, and experience any of these, these wonderful memories that, uh, you know, that, that pretty much everybody I share a locker with, locker room with has, uh, of him, you know, not to mention like being able to be in the ring with him. Cause you know, again, it's just a, such a talented, charismatic individual, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, first off hashtag, uh, 12 large baby. Cause uh, I love Larry Sweeney. Uh, I never got to meet him. Would have loved to. That's definitely if you ever ask me, like, who's the one person we I would love to have on the podcast uh, an interview with. He was always he's always one of my top answers. Oh yeah, um, no, I'm sure. I'm sure he was a bit amazing. So uh, I, I'm interested, though. For uh, previously, you mentioned that you have a story about you fighting an entire town. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, okay. I don't think I could let that story go by. So please, by uh, all means, it, it, tell us so, that one. Uh, all right, so here we go. I don't. Um, I tell the story. I tell the story very infrequently, um, but this this is a really good one. Um, so there was a period of time when uh, me and a bunch of buddies we would pack the car up and we would head down to Saratoga, North Carolina, and we would wrestle uh, at a place called the IWA Danger Zone. Um, now, Saratoga is uh, a literal one stoplight town, and the stoplight that the town had um, just happened to have, like, I think one corner was a field, and then there was, like, an abandoned building, and then a gas station, and this, like, little strip mall kind of thing uh, where the IWA Danger Zone was at. Um, and... They ran shows every Saturday. So we were down there constantly. Um, and the entire town would just turn up to these shows at the IWA Danger Zone. Um, there was a guy there who, his ring name uh, was the Saratoga Stud. Um, and he was, man, he was every bit of like probably six foot three. Um, and I, I, man, if if he wasn't two hundred ninety pounds, I I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't believe anything else. Um, and he, as a Saratoga stud, was the most flamboyant, gorgeous George S. character that you can possibly imagine. Um, and as you can as you, as you can probably think, um, the folks in incredibly rural Saratoga. Uh, we're not big fans of the Saratoga stud. Um, and so one night we're down there we'd finished, we'd finished our matches and we were kind of, a, a couple of us were kind of standing outside watching, uh, the rest of the show, um, through these giant plate glass windows that were, uh, you know, around the IWA danger zone. Um, and Saratoga stud is just kind of at ringside mouthing off the fans as he does. Uh, when a fan, when he turned around, a fan jumped up and shoved him in the back over the guardrail. Uh, and I remember, I remember standing out there looking at my looking at my buddy Dave, and uh, I looked at him and was like, "Uh-oh, that ain't gonna go well." And sure enough, man, the stud turned back around and shoved this guy with one hand, probably two rows back. Um, and that was it. Like everybody stood up. Uh, and man, I was like, as as we're watching as we're watching this unfold, I'm looking at Dave, and I'm like, oh man, do you think we should go in there? This is probably gonna get real messy. And pretty much as soon as I finish that sentence, I see out of the the locker room door, here comes Jive Nice. And Jive Nice, if you can imagine this, is probably uh, is probably six one, maybe 160 pounds. Um, and he just comes barreling out of this side door and just dives right into the crowd. Um, and following behind him is just like a bunch of bodies out of the locker room. Uh, and at that point we're like, Oh crap, we better run in. So we ran in the side door and, uh, just mostly at that point, I think it was uh, mostly just to save Jive because I, I, I thought for sure that he was going to get, you know, pounded. Um, so we run in and man, it is just, it, it's, it's practically a full on riot. Um, guys are just, guys are just, grabbing each other, choking each other, throwing punches, so on and so forth. And uh, I start trying to, like, me and my buddy Dave, we start trying to, like, kind of wade in and, and make our way to Jive, who, God bless him, is 
standing like he's he's being pulled back by one guy. Um, meanwhile, he's drilling this dude, the guy that initially stood up and shoved the stud, just drilling him in the forehead with punches. Like he's got laser sights on his fists, man. Uh, <laughs> it was the craziest thing. Um, so we're just like. I think more was trying to contain and move this crowd out. And we eventually like kind of like shoved and pushed and kicked our way uh, out into the street at Saratoga. And just like that, man, like we, we were all out, we were all outside like wrestlers and fans. We all just kind of like looked at each other for a second. Everybody stopped. We just kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, we're good. We're good. Okay, and kind of calmly went back inside, restarted the show, and finished it up. I swear. <laughs> okay, that's the best part that you actually finished the show. That's 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 dedication was, right there, there, damn it. There was going to be no stopping it. The guy that ran that show loved to do some forty-five plus minute fans bring the weapons matches. Oh god. Um, and yeah, so so there was there was going to be no there was going to be no stopping that match. I guarantee it. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, the the visual I had on this one. Do you do you know what do you know uh, what Leroy Jenkins is? Yes. Okay. Yes. Was that was that basically the picture we have here? Is is it was it was it was very similar to that if uh, if Leroy Jenkins hadn't gotten his entire party killed. Right. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but the same basic idea. You guys are like, should we go in there? And then suddenly, there there your friend goes, you know, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> go to all Leroy Jenkins. He just, he just went straight out of like a cruise <laughs> missile, man. It was, it was to this day one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I, <laughs> I hate to segue to question two on this one here, but I'm going to. Uh, question, question two of the infamous final two. We here at the IndyCast uh, believe that all animals in nature have certain traits uh, that help with their survival. Giraffes have long necks. Rhinos have big horns, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, our belief is that the human's trait is the ability to use tools. So, with that being said, Lucas Calhoun, if you could fight any animal, what animal would it be, and what weapon would you use? All right, I'm prepped for this question. <laughs> I, 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 not, I don't know what I did my research on the show, so I knew this one was coming. But number two. Uh, I've been telling anybody, and I mean anybody that knows me for as long as they, for as long as uh, I can remember, uh, anybody who will listen to me, I've been telling them that I think I could beat up a shark. Okay. Um, it is my firm belief that if I were to find a shark of comparable size to myself uh, in water, and I'll give it maybe like waist deep, right? Uh, that I could beat up a shark with nothing but my hands. Oh, you're going straight up bare hands with it. Absolutely. And here's and here and here. Let me tell, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you why this is. <coughs> so the shark, the shark. When you think about it, uh, the shark only has one weapon, right? You can only bite at you. True. Uh, as a human being, you've got multiple weapons, right? Hands, feet. You can headbutt the shark if you really feel like it. However. The shark just what does have one distinct disadvantage, and that is it has to be in the water to breathe. Right. Right? So, I'm thoroughly convinced that I could bear hug a shark, pick it up out of the water, and hold it close enough that it can't, like, turn, you know, shark can't really turn its head super well, like, kind of up and down. Right. Um, so, I could hold it close enough that it can't bite me, and I could suffocate the shark. Wow, yeah, <laughs> that might be the best well thought out plan we've we've had here since uh, Sidney Bacabella's answer of uh, wanting to fight a kitten with a tack hammer because he always puts himself <laughs> over. So. I'm telling you, I've been I've been telling people this forty years that I can fight and beat up a shark. Right. Uh, this has been this is this has been a long standing theory of mine. Well, and by the way, thank you also for doing your research and being one of our dozens and dozens for knowing that the question was coming. We appreciate that, too. Um, so, well, then, you probably know what's coming next here uh, because this is a – 
because you are from Chikara, and I know they're not always big on cursing, uh, we will say one Mr. Brian Cage gives us their, his uh, distinct permission to call this, get your stuff in. <laughs> you guys can figure out what he normally calls it in other episodes. Go back and listen to us at soundcloud.com slash WNRN. Um, but uh, this is the opportunity to let people know where they can uh, find your social media, your merchandise, things like that. Mr. Calhoun, the floor is yours. Sure. So, uh, you know, easiest place to find me, man, uh, is on Twitter. Uh, I'm that old juke joint on Twitter. Uh, same deal on Instagram. Uh, in fact, same deal on Gmail. That old juke joint at gmail.com. Um, obviously, I'm, uh, I'm all over Chikara. Uh, so see me uh, whenever, whenever they're doing things. Keep an eye out for that. Um, also, coming up during the, during the summer months, I'm going uh, to be spending some time doing, doing many shows with, uh, with Nova Pro. Um, up out of Northern Virginia area. Um, they're really awesome. If you haven't checked them out, man, go scope them out. Their stuff is all over. Uh, Powerbomb, uh, powerbomb.tv. Um, and uh, I just recently started a, uh, a new YouTube series um, where I sit down and uh, I've been interviewing uh, interviewing bands. Um, I interviewed some, some guys with cool cars uh, out, at, uh, out of Viva Las Vegas. Just stuff that, like, from the rockabilly scene that I really want to share with you guys. Um, so go scope that out too. Um, you can find me over, you know, find me o- over on YouTube. Uh, just search me out, Luke's Calhoun. I forget exactly what I, what I'm, what I'm at, or what I'm at there. It's still brand new, and I'm bad at YouTube. <laughs> um, I'm really terrible at self promotion. Uh, so you know, those are probably the easiest places to find me. I'm hoping to get out to uh, to a few new places um, going on this year. There's a, there's a lot of guys that uh, I think are doing some some really really awesome stuff. Um, that uh, that hopefully I can I can I can kind of make my way to. Uh, later on. Um, so yeah, just, just keep an eye out. Follow me on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way to keep up with me. Very nice. Well, Lucas, once again, thank you for joining us today on the IndieCast. Definitely, it was a blast on that one here. And we've we've now everybody remember you've got homework to go. You've got bands to go look up. So uh, that's right. Yeah, everybody go look at look at Shannon, Shannon the Howlers. I'm telling you, man, they will they will change your life. Um, in fact, they're they're the guys that I think I'm gonna. Um, they're the band, one of the bands that I interviewed. Um, that I think I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of edit up that video and, and, and drop it next. Um, nice. So yeah, definitely take a look for those guys. Man, those guys are, are super crazy. So and uh, as always, to all of our dozens and dozens, thank you once again for listening to the IndieCast today. I am I am solo. I am uh, the Chad Allen. And until next time, we always say, Deuces! <laughs>